passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to the Baseball America Dynasty Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm here, as always, with my co-host and our lead fantasy analyst, Dylan White. He's excited because the Leafs are up right now. Big Toronto guy. Big Leafs guy. Let's let's get this going, Dylan. we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about a bunch of news and notes that have happened over the last couple of days. Uh, I've been in Florida, sort of stowed away, which is why this is coming out. A few days later than it typically does, we usually put it out on Tuesday morning. It's going to come out on Friday morning. We're recording this Thursday night as you're listening to this. As I said, we got a lot going on. Also got really like the first, I think, like media update of RoboScout. You did, teased a little bit of it last week uh, in your Fab article on Sunday, which was excellent. We had some great names in there. We got some more names to talk about now. And then we had a listener slash reader suggest hey would you guys do some mailbag questions so we took some mailbag questions i think we can do that every week we have a fantasy email that i drop a little bit later you guys can email us directly for any questions that you have that you want us to answer on the podcast i'm always happy to do so so we got a really packed schedule today you know it's 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 a packed itinerary i'm coming off of vacation so i'm used to packed itinerary so let's get going but dylan how's it going man how you feeling uh, good, good. A lot of stuff happening in my uh, non-baseball life, but uh, it's going well. And uh, like you said, the Leafs are uh, are winning in the playoffs in this game. That doesn't happen very often, so it's a, it's a weird day. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up Dylan House, as we said before. But That's let's right. get into a little bit of news and notes here. So biggest news, I think, probably of the day, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. is back from his suspension. He is hitting leadoff for the Padres today. Um, I mean, expectations is kind of what I wrote. We saw what he was doing in AAA. I know that he was very highly ranked on Robo Scout for the AAA hitters. He was a number one guy. Um, I, I kind of don't expect him necessarily miss a beat. He's had a pretty extensive rehab, if you want to call it that, um, over the last couple of weeks. Has seen you know plenty of at bats. I would expect him to come back in the lineup and hit, do what he does play with his hair on fire he's going to hit some homers he's going to steal some bases it's going to be exciting baseball um maybe he's the stir that uh or excuse me the straw that stirs the drink a little bit to steal a phrase from reggie jackson um you know 
that team in some ways, like maybe this gets Soto going. I hope I have been a few places. He has not been going at all. Seems like that's been running on for a year plus now, which is not great. Um, anything you want to add on Tatis? I think this is a pretty straightforward one. No, I think uh, any any hesitations you, you one may have had that, you know, will the wrist sap power, the shoulder, blah, 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 it gone after the seven home runs and 39 plate appearances or whatever it was. Uh, I think he's going to slide right in there and hopefully he can get the Padres going. Like you said, they're under 500, which is pretty, uh, pretty nuts considering that lineup. So looking forward to it, have him a couple places uh projections have him going like 30 30 rest of the way 40 20 it's like it's gonna be uh he's the number one projected guy rest of the season basically across the projection system so looking forward so if to you're able if you're able to grab tatis and stash him in any leagues kudos <laughs> to you you're probably pretty happy right now you got him coming back and if you, you you teamed him up with bryce harper later who sounds like he could be back sometime in may um you could be looking pretty good right now. Um, speaking of things not looking pretty good after they look great, Jeffrey Springs on the injured list. Um, it sounds like it's probably going to be Tommy John surgery. They haven't officially said that yet, but I think we've kind of gotten all of the precursor comments and this sort of like, uh, like, this this the, there's a, there's sort of a, a way that I feel like publicly comments proceed a sort of order of operations leading up to the actual operation, and we've kind of hit all those benchmarks. So really unfortunate. Springs looked like he was going to be the breakout arm of 2023. Had a great season last year, but I think we're going to see sort of a different guy. We're hoping for more innings. If you're in a quality starts league, a guy that was going six plus innings, which isn't always necessarily commonplace with Ray starters um springs are great this is really unfortunate it almost kind of reminds me of this is many many moons ago but when charlie morton i think first initially broke out and i think it was with the phillies his like stuff was way up he looked awesome early and then like within like three weeks uh, from the start of the season il you know was tommy john surgery came back a year and a half later and has been pretty damn good since um over many seasons now um, but like a later stage breakout, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if there's anything else sort of to add here, um, but it's unfortunate. I mean, it stinks. We just moved him up really high in our updated dynasty rankings, and it looks like he's going to be moving back down in our next yeah. updated dynasty rankings. The seesaw of rankings, that's uh, what it is. Yeah, the dynasty update jinx. Uh, yeah, no, nothing else to add other than that's really too bad because he was he was the talk of the town. He was like the kind of breakout guy from draft season from the Vegas yeah. drafts and stuff. And then, and he was living up to that billing and uh, it's too bad. So I guess Taj Bradley, uh, obviously he's owned everywhere now after Sunday, probably. And especially with this news, it sounds like he probably be in the, the rotation for the rest of the year. Eflin's back Sunday. Um, who else am I missing? Glass now will be back in May. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously, they're a formidable team and they're just going to get yeah. more formidable, even though they lose their, their ace, their literal ace this year. They'll just keep on going. Pitching depth, pitching depth, boys and girls, it goes a long way. And Todd Bradley, while we're on it, got called up. He's looked great. The steamer projections have updated on him. They look great. Um, it's almost remarkable. And I feel like this happens quite a bit where, we see these guys in like AAA and they like struggle and you're kind of like, for me as somebody like, you know, who's a, like a straight, you know, prospect writer, it's my day to day. You get a little nervous. So you're like, well, you know, it's fastball slider. The splitter's there, but he doesn't throw it all that much. Is he just a two pitch guy? 
and it's sort of like that like netherland like purgatory of prospects where you're like i don't know if it's going to be good or not the guy comes up to the major leagues and it almost seems like he's having an easier time with major league lineups than he was in triple a which just seems crazy but there's probably you know there's a bunch of different reasons for that it could be nutrition advanced scouting reports catchers that you're working with pitching coaches all that sort of stuff game planning so um i would definitely you know i think Taj bradley at this point i missed out on him by a few dollars <laughs> i had a, a lot of bids on nfbc uh leagues that i'm in a couple and i missed out on bradley by a few bucks i missed out on zach netto by three dollars i missed out on uh edward julian by about ten dollars um and these are all big bids i think i had like 180 or something like that on netto i had you know 150 on bradley i had like 80 dollars on um on julian so um there's plenty of guys to, to to potentially go after one of those is mason miller uh now of the oakland athletics it sounds like it could soon be the las vegas athletics their fourth <laughs> city that the athletics have played in if you go back into ancient history of philadelphia kansas city oakland and now it looks like it's going to be vegas um you know with all the news that broke there yesterday really really heartbreaking i know that uh, i'm old enough to remember you know how great the oakland athletics were in the late 80s early 90s like they were the team it was almost like the padres are now or the mets one of these like teams that you know just really blew up and I, and, I, and i think you know they had a ton of star power and people were like really excited about you know that organization at that point i mean they were winning world series you had the bash brothers you had ricky henderson you had Dave Stewart and Bob Welch and, you know, Dennis Eckersley and, and all these sort of guys. And it's really sad to see what's happened because that was a very loyal fan base and, um, you know, a historic team. I mean, they've won nine world series. I think they're the third most world series, if I'm not mistaken of any organization. So um, kind of too bad there, but um, going a couple more news. Here. Max Scherzer, a 10 game suspension for some sticky, I didn't read the full release from Major League Baseball. Um, he was saying it was rosin. It was pretty clear when you watch the video. He was like, it's rosin, it's rosin, it's rosin. Um, what the, the quote that came out from the umpire post game was pretty hilarious. Where he was like, our fingers were sticking to his to his hand when we checked his fingers and blah, 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 blah. Um, that can happen from rosin, et cetera. I'm not somebody who's like super anti-sticky stuff. Um so it, you're not going to get like any hot takes here from me. You know, I don't know if the suspension will be upheld. He's certainly going to challenge it. Um, maybe it gets reduced and he misses five games. I can't imagine it just goes away. Um, but it seems a little unusual. Um, you know, he hasn't been caught with anything before. Um, and hadn't been caught earlier in the game. And they couldn't really identify what it was. And, you know, if it's spider tack having used it and you know been on that story very early um you can go back and check my tweets where i just tweeted out a spider and attack emoji back in like 2020 um but you know i i don't think it's anything like that i think it might have been rosin who knows like maybe maybe he had bullfrog in his arm or something which is a really sticky um uh uh, uh sun sunscreen that people use um that's been used in the game for a long time I don't know. I mean, stuff like this to me doesn't make me crazy. Um, the suspension is what it is. That kind of stinks. You got to sit on maybe for a week or two. If you're in, you know, a, a weekly league 
or you know daily moves maybe a little bit easier to sort of um, navigate around that but suspensions stink stink because you can't just throw them into an il spot and replace them with somebody off of the wire um liam Hendricks is officially officially cancer free i know you had some updates there that you had read uh, thinking that he could be back as soon as next month so that's pretty big if he's another guy is it like this is like a great podcast if you like fell asleep for a month, drafted, <laughs> took all of like the 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 risky guys who were gonna miss a few weeks uh with these different things, and then like went into a coma and then woke up today. This would be like the best news you could possibly have on the 20th of April. <laughs> is that you know, all these guys to tease his back. Um, you know, Hendrix is is potentially back in May, Harper's potentially back in May, but you, you did have some some news there. So I think it's a great story, obviously. Yeah, and I think it was just basically they didn't, the White Sox didn't put him on the 60 day, um, which kind of implies that he could be back before the end of May. And then now with the, you know, the ringing of the bell last week, and then now this Instagram post that he's officially cancer free, it's definitely looks like he's on that path to be back in May. I know uh, a couple teams I co-managed, we we stashed him after that news, the first news that uh, he was probably going to be back in May. Um the Scherzer stuff that pains me too because I I have him in a number of places. Um, I listened to his explanation, which kind of made some sense that he he that he, sounded he had rosin and they said wipe it off and he went into the dugout, washed it off in front of the MLB. I mean, this is all from him. This is not confirmed. <laughs> I haven't verified this, but he washed it off with alcohol in front of the uh, MLB representative, and then he came back out after you know putting rosin on again and then and he said like why would i like put on i know i'm going to be checked next inning so like why would i cheat at this point um it's just rosin and then but i heard the umps were saying that if you're going to put rosin on you have to do it like on on the mound like you can't do it in the dugout or whatever so they uh they didn't like that and then because it's it was a foreign substance it's an automatic 10 game suspension and uh he is appealing but i guess that means david peterson will be in the the rotation for a while, especially because Carrasco's injured and Tyler McGill and then Jose Budo, I guess. Did he, did they send him down after that start? I can't remember on Sunday. Well, I will probably be back. So, I mean, they were the, they were the Verlander, Scherzer, all these guys, Jose Quintana. Now they've lost all these, these, these stalwarts and they're kind of floundering uh, pitching wise, I guess, possibly. So, yeah. Yeah, he was optioned to Syracuse in the 17th, so uh, Budo would have to be back up, which I think probably will happen. We should see a corresponding move shortly there. Um, But uh, other news here, uh, Mason Miller called up. I'm feeling pretty good about this one because I put out my pitching breakout article last Thursday um, before I went on vacation down to Florida. Um, We'll talk about some more of these names later because they're all popping a robo-scout. Feel really good about that one. I, I like Miller a lot. I saw him in the Arizona Fall League uh, consistently was sitting like 99 to 102. I think he's the only guy that's ever hit 102 on my gun. And my gun tends to be – actually, no. Uh, Harlan Susana hit it this spring. Um, but my gun tends to be a little cold sometimes. So, um, you know, I don't always get the the big 100s that, like, you'll see off of the trackman. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a legit 102. Um you know, he throws that slider. He sort of uh, developed the cutter a little bit more. That cutter now is like 92 to 93. I think he's actually hit 95 with it. Um, so it's power stuff. He can miss a ton of bats. I think the big question with him is, like, can he go five to six? 
Um, doesn't necessarily need to do that super early here. I, I think to return value um, just because, you know, he's so hard to hit and barrel up that um, the ratio should be pretty good. He should come with some strikeouts. Wins are going to be another thing because he's on the Oakland Athletics. Um, but I think overall, like if he can consistently go five innings, um, he's going to be a really valuable add. I, I did grab him in a couple of different places or or, or had already drafted him actually in like FYPDs and like throwback drafts this year. Made a couple of trades to grab him. He's definitely a name that I am into quite a bit. And I know that he was number one uh, for AAA Robo Scout, which is the pitcher version of Robo Scout, um, which was pretty good. You know, um, all good stuff there. Anything you wanted to add? And then we kind of briefly touched on Neto getting called up. We talked about uh, Taj Bradley, talked about Mason Miller. I think the only news we haven't mentioned is Logan O'Hoppy, which you had mentioned. Um, I did not see this game because, like I said, I was on vacation not with the kids, but um, he was hurt on the, the uh, Patriots Day game in Boston. And it sounds like it's a shoulder. He's being evaluated. This is sort of rough news um, because he was definitely a really exciting breakout and sort of another piece that the Angels needed to be competitive in this potential last season of the Trout-Otani combination. Yeah, he heard it in the Patriots day and then he fought through it and stayed in the game. And then it was today that he just had it again. It looks like the shoulder, oh. same sort of his left shoulder. Ooh. So, yeah, not great. Um, I wonder if it like kind of popped out or something. I, I know Jose Bautista had something similar uh, when he was a few years ago. I remember Yankee Stadium I was watching the game. He took a swing and then like out, it like popped out and he uh, he was he was out for a while. So hopefully, hopefully Ohapi will be back. I guess the the it's going to be Matt Tice until Stasi comes back. Who like he has like a hip injury or something. So it's uh, they're a bit short short staffed there on the, behind the plate. Uh, maybe dot, 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 spoiler alert, Edgar Cuero in the future, maybe uh, called uh, earlier to action. Ooh. I just want to talk about Mason Miller for one second, that um, if you use Steam or rest of the season projections, he's SP, the 15th best starter using their projections rest of the season. Wow. So, uh, and that includes with wins and stuff. So that's pretty ridiculous. I think, yeah, the, the only issue with him is like, his stamina, he hasn't thrown for a long time, no track record, obviously injury history. So it's like, is he going to be able to throw 100 innings or not? Steamer says 97. Um, I, I offered uh, to Rob DiPietro in my dynasty league, I offered Chris Bassett and Bryce Elder for Mason Miller, and it was uh, rejected uh, within the hour. So mostly <laughs> rejected. Just to give you an idea of uh, the current perceived value of, of Mason Miller. Good job. Good job, pull hitter. I'm with you, buddy. Our good buddy, Rob DiPietro, <laughs> making smart moves. All right, before we jump into a uh, little early Robo Scout standouts, let's take a quick break. All right, and we are back. We hope those were valuable products, whatever they were. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little Robo Scout. Uh, this is Dylan's main tool. Um, we talked, you, you talked about it a little bit in your fab article last week. Um, I think this is exciting partially from the confirmation bias for me, um, but also to identify, you know, maybe some underrated sort of breakouts and players that are performing and, you know, putting that into context. If you want to give sort of a very brief tutorial on sort of how it works, you don't have to go into too much of the secret sauce, but essentially what it's looking at. And then let's talk about some of these, uh, these standout names. 
Yeah, the, the basic gist is it uh, it takes minor league stats, it applies the sort of curves, uh, major league equivalencies, it applies park factors, applies regression, and applies age curves, kind of comes up with what the uh, major league equivalent, uh, the median projection would be, and then like also with the age curves, what his peak projection would be, and I blend the two, um, and uh, it spits out a number. So that's basically the gist. It, it takes like kind of the, 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 the more stable stats, like strikeouts and walks to hitters and, and pitchers. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the main components age for the level, et cetera, is obviously important as well. So in it, it, uh, spits out a nice number zero to a hundred, um, kind of easy to, to digest. And, uh, that's how it works every week. I'll be writing an article about it. Wonderful, wonderful stuff, but two names that are popping right off the top here, different levels. We're going to jump around a little bit, but Andrew Abbott, um, Reds left-handed pitcher, you know, UVA guy, uh, I think it was another four-year draft guy, kind of like Mason Miller, kind of like Bryce Miller and some of these other guys that have really popped uh, since that 2021 draft, which was just an absolute abundance of pitching talent. Um, he's a great, I think the number was that I saw yesterday, and I got to double check this, is it 35 strikeouts over 15 and two-thirds innings over his like, first three starts of the season? Um, an insane numbers. 36 strikes. 36. Excuse me. Um, kind of quick story here. I love Andrew Abbott. Uh, I had an opportunity to spend some time with him last year uh, at the Futures game on the Friday before the game. Um, we host like a, a sort of a, a an event for the players, um, Baseball America, with some of our sponsors and partners, um, you know, bat companies, glove companies, uh, you know, equipment, these, those sort of things. Um, and we have, you know, most of the players, almost all of them come by, uh, and Andrew Abbott came by with his, with his mom and his dad. And, uh, they hung out for probably an hour. They hung out probably longer than anybody. we got a lot of time to just chat with them really good, like down to earth folks. His dad's a riot as is Andrew, um, kind of like self-deprecating humor as well. Um, one of those guys that like, after you meet them, um, you know, the more I'm around players, you kind of see this, like you want this guy to make it uh, just because he's such a such a fun, like good human being. So um, really excited, really excited about Abbott. Um, it's legit stuff. So sort of, you know, what's popping here, I guess, obviously the strikeout to sort of walk ratio with Abbott and how aggressive would you be to sort of target him um, in dynasty leagues and sort of what size dynasty leagues? Yeah, I mean, last week when I, I did my little... Uh, taste of Robo Scout article. I think I, I said I, he's my number one target at the time, and he's done nothing to kind of quell that. Um, so the Robo Scout basically gives you a number from zero to 100 per level, and it's just relative to the rest of the players. Um, and he, he's at 100, of course. And then second on the list is 78. So, like, he's that far better than everyone in double A. Like, it's just ridiculous. Everything there, the swinging strike rates over 20%. K minus walks at 59%. It's just like negative FIP. It's just everything's there. If you apply like that peak projection idea, he comes in even after only 15 innings and you do heavy regression um, to the mean, he's at 3.43 ERA is kind of what this thing's predicting. So the the Reds have Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft kind of uh solidified in the rotation but you know the last two spots are kind of up for grabs Luis Sessa didn't really do a good job my stout kind of got hit um so I mean I imagine Abbott will be moved to AAA very shortly because he's just 
carving up Chattanooga, and then he'll be in the he'll be in the major league rotation, I think, by you know halfway through the season, maybe a bit after yeah. the All Star break. And uh, I really like him. So yeah, I would say he's he's pushing like fantasy top one hundred. He's probably pushing top one hundred, um, probably in it, maybe around eighty. I don't know. This is off the top of my head. I got to see all the graduations and all that. But uh, I mean, he's got to be in the, the conversation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's a guy that I think, you know, could probably deal with that ballpark fairly well. Um, not like crazy velocity, but good fastball shape, really good slider, feel for the change up, um, a lot of good command. So he's not going to throw a ton of bad, you know, meatballs and pitches, et cetera. He's the Reds' number 11 prospect. I think he'll probably move up in the Reds' order when we finally update that. Um, but, yeah, he's he's looking good. So I'm excited about Abbott. I would definitely go and get him probably in, in most formats at this point. I think you can move on some of these guys pretty quickly. Um, I know, like, I have a, a league. It's 12-team league. Um, it's, you know, seven prospects per team that you can roster. And just to kind of give you an idea of how aggressive I've been with some of these guys, um, after Mason, so it's 84 prospects rostered. Um, after Mason Miller's last AAA start, I had um, you know heard that he was going to be called up and it was going to be his last AAA start, which held true. I actually dropped Daniel Espino in this league um, and added uh, Mason Miller, which I feel pretty good about because you know with this league, uh, the way it works is you can keep it's eight keepers out of like you know your full roster every year. And then you have freepers, which are players that come up from the minors that get forced up so they exceed their rookie limits. And then you have them for free for two years. So I could potentially have Mason Miller free for two years. He's also a really good trade chip. Uh, I have some other guys like Josh Young, Hayden Wesneski in that league that you know could be really valuable because they're already producing in major leaguers and could be you know good trade chips uh, because my team is very competitive in that league. So it's my home league. Um, maybe one of my most competitive leagues, funny enough as well. Uh, these guys just live and die by this league. And it's, it's a blast. I love, you know, a lot of, a lot of smack talk that whole nine. Um, I'm known as uh, Mr. Blue check Mark, but now used Mr. Used to have a blue check Mark is now my new name. Um, but, but, but before you go, I want to, I want to ask you Mason Miller in the top 100, like put him in the rank him with painter, Yuri Perez, Grayson Rodriguez. Is he in that conversation? Is he in the middle of it? Is he at the top of it? Where, where do you have him? It, you know, we're talking long-term projection. I think that's sometimes what people miss. Like, what are they going to be when they're 30? Um, could he end up better than all of them? Sure. Pitching is crazy like that. Uh, but I, I would probably have him more in, like, the Gavin Stone sort of area, like top 50-ish, you know, um, but not going, like, completely crazy as of yet. Um, he's in our top 100. Um he was a guy that we had planned on adding and, you know, we just, we, we update this as players graduate. Uh, Tristan Cassis graduated. So um, now that he's officially no longer a prospect, Mason Miller will move in at a hundred. We should re-rank the top 100 again at the end of May as we do a few updates throughout the season. Um, I would imagine if Miller is still prospect eligible, it'd be kind of hard for him to reach that many innings unless he's throwing some complete games. Uh, you know, I would imagine he probably moves like into the top, 70 or so for the real life prospect list and then for our dynasty list i would anticipate he'll probably like move up pretty well um definitely a guy that i'm into as i said i had him in my my breakup pitcher article before he'd even thrown a pitch in triple a and then you know 
lo and behold, shoves in AAA, then comes up to the majors and looks pretty good as well against the Cubs. So um, not too bad. I'm going to move on now to Junior Caminero, um, a highly contested and debated player on Twitter, it seems. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, I you don't you don't have too many huge wins, but I had some big wins with a couple of very young players and you know some good sourced information and some video and data that was provided to me, luckily, and I was fortunate enough to get at the you know the summer of 2021. Uh Ado Amador and Junior Caminero were like my two big guys. And both of them have looked pretty good. Um Caminero is really breaking out this year after Amador did it last year. Um a lot of power here. I think it's, you know, your your corner infield profile power bat. I think he probably sticks at third. Um, he's a much more attractive fantasy prospect than a real-life prospect, but I would anticipate he's going to be higher on real-life lists. Um, we had him on 60, which I think was one of the higher rankings within the fantasy industry um, coming into the season, so we were both believers. Um you know, you, 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 did you have him on your, your breakout prospect like team or did I talk you out of it? You talked like, me out of it. You said it was a bit too low hanging fruit. <laughs> you know, it's kind of true. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides of the coin there. Um, and I just don't know. I don't know how high this guy can move up. Like, I know that there's people like, oh, he's going to be a top 10 prospect. And like, that's all well and good. But, um, you know, I forget who, who said it yesterday. Somebody did, might have been like Callus or somebody. But like he's not that different from like Curtis Mead. Like he's it's power over hit versus Mead, who's like a little bit more of like a balance between hit and power. I know Mead isn't hitting right now. Um, but lower level guy, young, you know, it's not like super twitchy crazy. He's not gonna steal a ton of bases. It's not really the kind of player that he is. He's a slugger, and you you know, you hope that the approach, which is pretty good, uh, sticks around and the contact is, you know, above that sort of threshold of like 70 to 72% contact rates and that sort of thing. And he keeps the strikeouts uh, down. If he does that, um, you know, I think there's a chance that he can approach like into that top, like 15 range eventually, Um, but he's still a long ways away. And uh, I do think that he's, you know, really talented and definitely a player that I would still be seeking to acquire. Um, If you're a rebuilding team, he's definitely a pretty good target to go and get right now. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, in the places that I have him, you know, I had gone after him coming into 2022. So um, definitely a name that, that's that's popping right now. And I can see, you know, why there's such a huge delta between Cameron Arrow and sort of the next player at that level, you know, within the RoboScout tool. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add on Cameron Arrow. Not really. I mean, I, I think I'm a bit more aggressive than you, actually. Um, I mean, he's only 19 mm-hmm. in high A. Uh he and Mead is 22, so three years younger, but only two levels lower. I don't know if that <laughs> is the way to do the comparison, but he's just so far above. I, I I was, like how I always mention Samuel Zavala is my favorite prospect. Junior Camaro was a close second, and it was like his chase rate had me a bit scared. I was just, you know, a bit a bit more conservative, but like his strikeout rate is at 15%. His swinging strike is 8%. He's just so far above <laughs> everyone at the level right now. I know it's only you know, 40 plate appearances, but, uh, I, I think, I think he could easily push into the, the top 10 if he continues on this torrid pace, uh, fantasy prospect list. Um, so I think I was a bit too conservative because of the chase rate. And, uh, now he's like the, the contact and the contact quality is kind of superseding all that. So 
Um, I, I think I'm more aggressive than you. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I think top 10 is like lofty, right? Just a very lofty number to put out there. And I, I'm just one of these people where like, I, I, unless you have a ton of speed, I don't want to like really go full bore on it. You want to say that he's there. I, you know, I, I think he's probably going to be ranked top five to 10 in some places. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, it's still early. It's low A. And I can tell you the quality of low A baseball, having watched it, is awful this year. High A. It's, it's high A. Oh, it is, excuse me, high A. The, yeah, the, yeah. the quality of, of, of A ball baseball right now is <laughs> awful this year. Um, so I just, I just think that, you know, let's, let's not, uh, put the card ahead of, ahead of the horse. Yeah. He's I wouldn't top, put him top 10 now. Top 40 prospect easy. I mean, I think everybody's there. We were 60 before the season. He's doing what he's doing. Um, it's just the type of profile that it is. I feel like if there's any struggles at all, there's some question there. I just, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that you can get, uh, you can get a little too caught up sometimes and, uh, early season power numbers, you know, especially when you're comparing it to like the Midwest league, <laughs> the rest of like, because like Midwest league is like literally impossible to hit in, you know, um, the only people that are hitting there are like, uh, uh, Cafe, who we'll talk about in a few moments, but yeah, I mean, dude, junior's great. I mean, definitely one of my favorite prospects as well, you know, all in on it. Um, so we'll let's let's see where it goes. You know, um, definitely uh, definitely a good showing. And and uh, I mean, he had a huge winter uh, in the Australian League where he hit 14 home runs in 39 games. So the numbers are there. He's been performing, and uh, let's go from there. I should see Cameron Arrow actually in a couple of weeks. Um, I think when uh, Bowling Green visits uh, Hudson Valley which uh, I'll see James Wood there shortly too. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Um, still an, an interesting name, obviously, and somebody that's jumping up the boards. He's Dylan's guy now. I'm saying <laughs> bye-bye to my baby. A um, couple other guys that are popping uh, in AAA. Buddy Kennedy, who's somebody that was left unprotected in the Rule 5 draft, um, but has always been able to hit. And Ronnie Mauricio, he's back. Um, a guy that I think was kind of written off a little bit, who, you know, was a – sort of an A-ball performer, had a lot of power, some um, approach and contact questions. I think that's still kind of there, um, but he's figuring a way to sort of uh, work around it. The power's loud. The tools are loud. Pretty good defensively. Um, I don't know if the focus is always there, but he can play a bunch of different positions, so I don't have too much concern. Um, what are your thoughts on Kennedy and, and Ronnie Mauricio? Yeah, Roddy Mauricio, I was always a bit uh, lower on because um, he never really hit. He, he was kind of struggling with the the secondary stuff. He was always chasing. Last year, he had a 40% chase rate, but he was always young to the level, and the power was always there. So um, those who stuck by him um, are probably getting rewarded now. I mean, he's on RoboScout AAA at 22 years old, one of the youngest in AAA. He's, uh, you know, he's fourth. He already has six home runs and 67 plate appearances. So, you know, the power is real. I'm sure you've seen some of the, the highlights on Twitter when he was hitting some bombs. Buddy Kennedy is just just on fire right now. He's only behind Tatis. And we already talked about his stratospheric um, production. But, like, Buddy Kennedy has a 24% walk rate and only an 8% strikeout rate. That's always going to show well in RoboScout. More walks and strikeouts, but significantly more walks and strikeouts. Um, you know, 413 average 
1.31 OPS. Like all the all the ingredients are there. He's only 24. I thought he was actually older. The average age in AAA is 27. He's 24. Um, yeah, he just looks good. He just looks like he's a hitter. He looks like a professional hitter. So um, not sure what position he will play necessarily uh, with the diamond packs. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's 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 going well. I don't know if I would invest heavily. But he's worth a flyer. He's like kind of the like the Jack Sawinskis or Kerry Carpenters, where they're kind of in between and they don't really have the pedigree. But uh, you know, you hold on, and then and they'll be you know productive for your for your dynasty team. And he's uh, I, he's still a prospect for us, but he's technically not a prospect. I forgot that he had uh, exceeded his rookie limits back in 2022. He was protected going into the 2022 season. So I'm going to correct what I said earlier, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that I, I've, you know, seen before, um, you know, certainly, certainly hit, um, you know, uh, pretty talented player, um, you know, goes went to a, fa- to a high school with a, uh, with another famous alumnus um, by the name of Mike Trout. Not sure if you guys are familiar with him or not, but uh, both Millville, New Jersey native. So, He's got a little bit of that uh, that trout magic. I don't know. Um, Evan Carter has been on fire in Double A. I don't know if he's he's one of the youngest players. He's not younger than than um, Jackson Cheerio, but one of the youngest players in Triple A. The production's been good. The power has been showing up a little bit more. He's always had elite on base ability, contact. Um, you know, never had any question he could play center field and some base running as well. He's really exciting. I think that he's somebody that could skyrocket up boards, especially if he continues to hit. Um, you know, could almost push into that sort of Corbin Carroll-esque sort of uh, niche. Uh, but he's a bigger, you know, uh, body than Carroll, so I don't think there'll be as much power concerns if he continues to do what he does. Not that Carroll – I never thought Carroll really had power concerns, but there were some that were certainly out there among scouts and some of those folks. Um, what are your thoughts on Carter? And then we can talk a little Mike Vassell. Uh, native Massachusetts guy that I'm going to see actually this weekend pitching in Hartford. Uh, nothing really to add to Carter. He's just, he's doing what, uh, you know, all the most optimistic prospect guys who like Evan Carter was hoping he's, uh, you know, looking mm-hmm. like 20 home runs could maybe get to 20 stolen bases, maybe good defense. He's at the top of Robo Scout and double a, and again, there's a big gap between him and second uh, Andy Pajes and Jordan Lawler are second at in 86. So he's, significantly higher than them i like him i think jj was saying in the hot sheet chat that it's quite possible he could make it to the majors this year he's in double a now he's 20 i could see him in the majors too if he keeps it up yeah absolutely i think he's a guy that'd be sort of all over so definitely a chance that like september he could be up in the major league especially if he hits that's a team that hanging around i think they're pretty competitive and he could add another dimension to that lineup which is already pretty good um, so that's really interesting. Mike Vassell, we don't have to go into it too much. Um, you know, UVA guy was highly touted out of high school here in Massachusetts. Might have been, you know, um, other than Thomas White, who's currently a Massachusetts high school guy, it's probably going to get drafted. Uh, left-hander who's committed to Vanderbilt. Um, Vassell was one of the most sort of decorated Massachusetts high school players in history. Um, went to UVA, struggled a little bit fell in the draft, probably got less money than he would have gotten out of high school, out of college, which has happened with some UVA guys. Um, but he's showed really well. And that's a really interesting sort of rotation there in Binghamton. They also got Dom Hamels, who I like quite a bit and was just sort of a just miss on my breakout pitching prospects article the other day. 
Um, anything to sort of add on Vassal at all? No, not really. I think you touched it all there. I mean, he has a 62% strikeout rate, so of course he's going to do well. I mean, double A for me is, other than the low, like prospecting in the low levels, double A is kind of the sweet spot that I like because they're they're on the cusp of the majors. They can make it that same year. Uh, so they're they're useful for redraft, and then they're also good for, for Dynasty, obviously. So there's a whole crew of good guys, Tiedem and Abbott we talked about, and Emmett Sheehan, Ty Madden, all these guys. So it's like, kind of a nice who's who there and he's right in the middle of that so i like mike vassal yeah and i think that um if you watch enough minor league baseball and you see all the different levels in person etc um you can definitely tell that there is sort of a rubber meets the road period there in double a where i think that is the most talented level year after year after year um and it's a high level of baseball where they're actually playing the game in a similar fashion to the major leagues where triple a is a lot of sort of like Major League retreads, older guys are hanging on. You sort of see that where double A's prospecty, but the quality of baseball is good. You know, they're making sort of the defensive plays that they should be making. It's not the stuff that you're seeing in low A. The swing decisions are better. Um, so you can trust the performance a little bit more once somebody is up in double A and performing. So I think that's absolutely true. Um, Yiddy Cape, a guy that I saw quite a bit this spring, but wasn't hitting all that much for me, but the talent was apparent. Um He's this tall, lanky, projectable right-handed hitter, um, infielder, plays shortstop predominantly. Um, it's kind of a Tatis kind of body type, frankly. And at times the swing is there. He's really showing the power early. I know he had a huge series against South Bend uh, last week. Uh, his signing scout is a friend of mine. It was somebody that was or somebody who's involved in signing Indy Cafe uh, as a friend of mine and was sort of texting me like consistently. So through some highlights up there on Twitter, um, I've been sort of tuning into, you know, those games as well, because Beloit is a very watchable, interesting team with him and Khalil Watson and Jacob Berry, if that's your cup of tea. Um, anything to add on Cafe? I, I, it's another name that I think is definitely worthwhile to go get. Um, somebody that's probably pushing up into the 150 range. The approach isn't great. It's just not. But um, the twitch and the power and the bat-to-ball skills are definitely there. Yeah, no, nothing really to add. He's uh, he's in the top five in high A, uh, like he said. Uh, very projectable body. Um, yeah, no, I'm just I'm reading his stats here, and uh, it all looks good. And it's in the Midwest old. League. Where if you mm-hmm. look at you look at what the 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 average line right now is in the in the Midwest League, it is ridiculous. It is so it's so bad. Um, you know, the first month of the season, the Midwest League gets very cold up there, um, and you, you will see a lot of guys hitting 150 who then hit 300 for the rest of the season. Just ask Tyler Soderstrom last year. And there's other guys that we can throw out there in name as well. Um, let's move on. Trace Bright, Ronan Kopp, uh, Trace Bright, a right-hander out of Auburn, uh, Orioles guy, I think it was a fourth or fifth rounder. Good stuff there, really high spin curveball. I wrote about him a little bit in my my uh, – my breakout article, I wrote about Ronan Kopp in my, my breakout article as well. He was a Juco guy, huge stuff, couldn't throw strikes. Surprise, surprise, the Dodgers are figuring that out again, how to get a, a guy with huge stuff to throw strikes to be a little bit better. Shock, uh, shocker there. Um, both like worthy names, I think, in probably like 250-plus sort of leagues. Maybe Kopp's a little bit lower than that. Um, but they're pitching prospects, so it's always harder in fantasy and dynasty to sort of roster those guys and hold on to them but they're both really exciting and players that you know i'm i'm all in on yeah i took a shot in a, a league that has 400 it went unopposed um 
I, I, if he keeps it up, he had another great start. He's 54% strikeout rate. Uh, this is Trace Bright I'm talking about. Um, it's uh, definitely going to, he's going to rise up, <laughs> rise up the ranks. And Ronan Kopp, uh, I think he's a bit lesser known of, of the, all the, the crop of Dodger pitchers. Um, he's already uh, rostered on a lot of teams ahead of Trace Bright, but Trace Bright is ahead of him in, in Robo Scout right now. So Ooh. pick your poison. <laughs> picture your pitching prospect poison boys <laughs> figure out which one you want now we we get to some more exciting names here um not the other ones weren't but these lower level guys this is what i think this tool is really great for to kind of um sort of put some of this performance into perspective um samuel Bacello, uh catcher that was actually signed for i think a club record he was like the the highest bonus value guy in the international market for the Orioles who are now playing in the international market um, under this sort of front office, which they did not under Duquette. Um, January, 2021, <clears throat> he is a big boy, six foot four, 200 pound catcher. Um, I don't know if he necessarily sticks there long-term. He certainly could, but the power is loud. The, the hit tool is good. Um, he's a really exciting sort of younger name here that maybe isn't like rostered as much as he probably should be in some leagues uh his teammate jackson holiday is ripping it up as well um but he was already you know top 10-ish for me already um in the real life world and then you know also in our our fantasy ranking world as well so uh, i think with some of the graduations that are coming he's definitely going to be a guy who's like um you know going to be top 10 potentially number one top five type of prospect uh, for a couple of years, um, has the bloodlines really talented. Anything you want to add on these Orioles? A lot of Orioles over the last moment. Just if, if uh, in low A, 17, 18 year olds who have 30 plate appearances or more, or 20 plate appearances or more, there's Samuel Basalo, Nelson Rada, Cam Collier, Anthony Gutierrez, Rossman Verdugo, and Samuel Zavala. So, you know, high, high quality, high pedigree names. No one has a home run except Samuel Basalo, and he has three. So <laughs> he's flashing the power at a very young age. Uh, like you said, he's a big boy. So go get him if you're in a, you know, two catcher league and uh, you, you need catching. Yeah, absolutely. We get another name here that I saw during the spring um, when I spent quite a bit of time on the Houston Astros backfield, had some videos that I put up of him. Um, that would be number 20 Astros prospect. I think he's probably going to be moving closer to the top 10. Ryan Clifford. Um, there's a ton of power here. He, it's a loud, loud left-handed swing um there's juice you know his his uh his you know his power translates in game i think he had a 90th percentile exit velocity last season of 105 miles per hour um it's really good so he's definitely a name that i think probably isn't rostered as many places as he should be i would go and get ryan clifford uh, potentially as well anything you want to add on ryan clifford nope you're the houston guy yeah, there you go. Go get, the, go get the good Houston guys. Uh, Drew Gilbert's already one that I told you to go get. Um, Frankie Maz, baby, another New England player here making it. Uh, Frank Mazzucato, who I believe is the number seven overall pick of 2021, a little bit of a shock for many. Um, he's looked good early. I mean, I, I have to get some reports back on where the stuff is in terms of like fastball velocity, et cetera, because um, he's always kind of been a pitch ability lefty with great feel for spin and a good changeup um, and good sort of fastball shape with a lot of hop but not necessarily a lot of power but if he has that hop and he's like 93 to 94 with the good secondaries um he's somebody that you have to go and get so i don't know if you have anything you want to add on frankie moss 
No, no, everything you said. He's number one at low A for pitchers. Uh, the only quote unquote concern is the walk rate's a bit a bit high, fourteen percent right now. But in the mm-hmm. lower levels, really, the strikeout rate is far more important than the walk rate, and he's at forty eight percent. So he's uh, he's doing well. There you go. Um, last guy we'll mention here is Justin Lang. I saw him pitch uh, in Dunedin on Sunday, and it was loud. I mean, he was sitting 96, 97, touching 98, throwing, you know, a high 80s cutter, a changeup, um, then started mixing in a sweeper a little bit later in the start. He dominated over five, had 25 whiffs, which is just crazy. Um, I have some video up of him, and I'll say that scouts that have the Yankees – for coverage year round were like turning around talking to me like holy crap yeah lang is legit because i had said earlier in the week when i was down there for a few games it was like hey when is justin lang pitch when is justin lang pitch i want to make sure that i catch him um and then i found out he was going sunday and you know was obviously back and a couple of them turned around and were like yeah this is this is legit stuff and i had seen it on the uh the hawkeye data that we have uh for the florida state league and he was sticking out and i'll say this the lineups in the florida state league not so good. Saw Dayton yesterday. Um, Dayton is a legit lineup. They're pretty good. Um, but other than that, I mean, like Tampa, Bradenton, Fort Myers, Jupiter, uh, these are not very great. These are not great lineups. There's not a lot of great hitters down there right now. But there are some interesting arms. So worthwhile to check those guys out. All right. Let's wrap this sucker up now with some mailbag questions. Um First question that we have here, it is good evening, gents. I hope all is well. I know it's extremely early, but Emmanuel Rodriguez is striking out more and walking less. I have heard a wide range of opinions, uh, so it's too early to sell. I understand he is hurt, but what's your take on his struggles so far? Anything you want to sort of jump in here with Dylan? Yeah, he uh, he has a 50% strikeout rate right now, but he's he had a, his season last year cut short. Um He's kind of a passive hitter, so he had a huge walk rate last year. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like 30% or something something ridiculous. And the power was off the charts, and then he had a knee knee injury that kind of shut him down, knee surgery, I think. Um, he started off slow, but it's 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 been 34 plate appearances. It's two weeks into the season. Um, as much as he's you know had the swing and miss, I think he's being a bit passive. He's not uh, – it doesn't really have the timing, it looks like, on the, on the secondaries. Um, so he gets in, bat, into – into bad counts. Um, but even with that 50% strikeout rate in 34 plate appearance, he still has three home runs. So the power is completely legit. Um, I, I, I'm holding, I'm not selling. There's, there's no, there's no panic yet at all. It's way too early. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, next question. That, and I think that, you know, you can't panic yet, but this is who he is. I mean, like there's, there's, there was always going to be some question marks just in terms of, you know, the passive nature of his approach, the contact actually went down last year. I think people kind of like whistled past the graveyard in that, but he's a talented player. Um, there's defensive abilities. He can run a little bit. There's huge power. You know, I saw him in my early season Florida trip last year in Dunedin when Fort Myers was there for a series. Um, and it's legit power and on base ability. So I would, I would expect for that to all tick back. That This question came from our good friend, Steve G., one of the great supporters in the dynasty community. So shouts out to you, Steve G. The next question comes from Charforlis. Charforlis? Charforlis? Um, what are your thoughts on Edgar Cuero, a 20-year-old at AA, uh, and doing decent possible Halos fast track and play him at different position? Um, yeah, I think he could be uh, fast track. I mean, there's good approach here, good contact. 
power numbers are pretty good. He's a guy that, you know, when I do sort of my back end sort of study of like, you know, a certain threshold with uh, miss rate, a certain threshold of chase rate and a certain threshold of 90th percentile exit velocity, he always shows up. So production is there as well. Um, I like Edgar Cuero. I think, you know, he's a guy that's, that's going to be moving up our board quite a bit uh, in real life and in fantasy. Um, and, you know, they fast track him for a reason. This is like the angels, you know, pros, uh, project uh, rocket city trash pandas where they seem to send all their best prospects and go to double a where the rubber meets the road and see how that all works out. Um, yeah. It wouldn't shock me. I think it probably gets a couple more weeks, but we'll see you know, what the deal is with this Ohapi injury, the way the angels have been aggressive with prospects, it, it wouldn't be completely shocking. And his swing decisions are good enough. His bat to ball skills are good enough that um, I think he could be valuable. I may not be crazy numbers the first couple of years. And then all of a sudden he settles in uh, like a 22, 23 year old. And we start to see the real production from him. But I would imagine that you know, he's going to be in the majors within a couple of years. Anything you want to add on Cuero? No, I love Cuero. I, I actually, I think he's going to probably have a better peak than Logan O'Hoppy. Um, Me too. So, yeah, I love him. And he's only 20 at double A. I'm there with you. That was an internal debate with us, this ranking offseason as well, uh, with the Angels list. It was like O'Hoppy, you know, versus Cuero. We had some Cuero folks. We had some O'Hoppy folks. I mean, we both thought they were very good players and could be productive. Um, so there you go. Some interesting Angels prospect talk. Always good to hear that. Um the Astros are seemed uh seem to have a bunch of interesting arms in uh Andrew Taylor's, you know, as I talked about quite a bit. Limber Santa, one of my sleepers from 2020 who got hurt and now is doing his thing. Uh Batista, I added I added Noor and then Blue Ba uh, as a couple of other names that you could potentially discuss as well. This comes from Prospect Panda. Um oh, so there you go. Thanks, thanks, Prospect Panda. Um We've already seen an amount, you know, a uh, massive amount of impact. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, this one's interesting to me because I think it's Taylor. The Santa is interesting because he was like 95 to 97 with an improved breaking ball when I saw him this spring over the first two innings. And then like the velocity plummets and he's a guy that's had some injury history and there is some effort there. So, it, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Santa ends up in the bullpen eventually. Um, it's good stuff. But for me, it's definitely Taylor. Uh, Batista's interesting. I think it was like, a, if I remember correctly, it was like a sinker slider guy. Um, but really more like back-endy for me. But I guess you never know with the Astros. They can turn those back-endy guys into mid-rotation guys pretty easily. Um, and they had, you know, Noor and Bluebaugh, who were sort of mid-round guys for them in 2022 draft, um, along with Taylor. And, you know, I was a little wishy-washy. didn't love Noor when I saw him, but he pitched really well the other day. Um, Blue Ball is another one who the organization I know is pretty high on. Um, all interesting arms. And I think the thing with the Astros, it's like when you chase Dodgers prospects or you chase Rays prospects, um, you kind of know that they're going to come in through this like development machine over a couple of years and come out the other side as a better player. And if they trade them away, that probably is an indication that they maybe don't believe them in as much. Um, Though McDermott, Chase McDermott was actually pretty good when I saw him, and it was the Orioles that got him, who is sort of like Astros West with a lot of the same uh, folks that are involved with that organization that were involved with the sort of early stages of uh, this this build for the Astros. So, um, yeah, I'd be on all of them. For me, how I would rank them out would probably be like Taylor, um, Santa, 
nor Blue Bob Batista. Um, but we can come back to this in a year and it can be completely different. I just like Andrew Taylor a lot. We saw it yesterday. They've worked in the secondaries. You know, they really tightened up the curveball slider shape. It used to blend together a lot more. Now it's two very distinctly different pitches. Um, I've gotten some flash plus grades on the changeup, and I think that's definitely true with my own eyes as well. And the fastball shape has always been good. You know, he gets a ton of hop. I think the trackman was reading like 22 inches of IVB at times, but was settling in at like 1920. And uh, he's now, he used to be like 89, 91, and now he's like 92, 94, touching 96. So, um, that's really interesting to me. And I think like another year in the organization with his big physical frame, perfect sort of starter mix there. So um, I'm sort of all in on those guys. Um, all right. We've already had a seen a massive amount of impact prospect call-ups uh, just two or three weeks into the season, but who were the next guys to get the call that could be a difference maker? Uh, Brandon fat seems like the obvious one, but everyone's else seems pretty up in the air. What are your thoughts here? This, uh, this question comes from Nate Schwartz, by the way. I think Fat's uh, one of them. I think one of the Indian, sorry, Guardian pitchers. Sorry about that. Um, so, and I don't mean necessarily Bibi, Bibi. How do you pronounce it, Jeff? Is it Bibi or Bibi? I keep mispronouncing. It's a, it's a, it's a Bibi, actually. Bibi. All right. <laughs> Bibi or Gavin Williams. I'm actually, I think Logan Allen has a better shot than Tanner Bibby for being called up. We had a chat, you and I, Jeff and, and Matt Eddy in the, in the BA Slack, like neither Allen nor Bibby are on the 40 man, but Allen's, you know, ahead in the, in the draft by one year. And he's actually doing better than uh, Tanner Bibby. If you, if you go on Twitter and it's all Tanner Bibby, when's Tanner Bibby coming up? I think Tanner yeah. Bibby, um, I actually think Logan Allen will be called up before him. So Agreed. I think he could be a difference maker. Um, Brandon Fat, we said Andrew Abbott, maybe if he comes up soon enough. Uh, I think it's mostly pitchers. Matthew, Matthew Liberatory. Uh, yeah, Liberatory could be one. Sal Frelick, yeah. I think, is a name. Uh, Frelick, yeah. That could come up um, and potentially contribute. Uh, comes about to ball skills, um, can do a lot of different things. It's not no power at all. And he's got a lot of speed, which I think plays in this, this modern game right now. Um, so he's definitely somebody that I would be, you know, sort of targeting and looking at. Um, you know, I, I I think that there is, you know, potentially some interesting guys maybe in like double A too. Like Sedane Raffaella gets it going and starts to hit. Um, you know, the Red Sox are playing, you know, Enrique Hernandez at shortstop. They got, you know, Duran out there in the outfield. Um, Sedane Raffaella is a standout defensive center fielder. And that's something that in that cavernous sort of outfield and center field, which is a difficult place to play uh, at Fenway Park, I think he could come up and be a really interesting player. Um, more of a value in uh, your standard five-by-five five batting average leagues in OVP, but um, still somebody that I think is definitely a worthwhile grab in uh, some formats. So he could be a name that comes up as well. Um, you know, there's other guys that maybe like a, you'd have to probably have some injuries and we'd have to predict that sort of thing. Um, Kyle Lanzardo, someone like that. Uh, you know, I think, you know, maybe Connor Norby could come up and potentially contribute. Um, you know, Heston Kerstad's hitting. He's a little bit older. He's going to be 40-man eligible this offseason. So it could be a guy that comes up if there's some injuries in that Orioles outfield. He can mash. Or even at first base. He's been playing some first base as well. He's been mashing. Definitely somebody I'd be interested in. So, um, yeah, some interesting names there. And another reason to, to check out RoboScout because a lot of those AAA guys – you can sort of pick them up. 
and uh, find some names and maybe like, hey, I think this guy might have an opportunity here. So that's sort of interesting. Another great question there. Um, here's another quick one. Which players have you changed your opinion on most drastically due to performance so far this season, understanding that it is small sample sizes? Uh, I don't know what your 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 answer is here on this one. This is this is a tough one for me. This one comes from PK, by the way. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've changed my opinion on that many players uh, based on small sample sizes. Frankly, maybe like a Ronnie Mauricio because the contact approach looks a little bit better. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not we're going crazy yet. I want to kind of bite my tongue a little bit until you know I see tangible changes over a long period of time yeah it's definitely it, it, <laughs> irresponsible to to maybe change your your outlook but there's definitely uh reasons for optimism uh khalil watson looks yeah. like he cut down his his strikeout rate uh he's been he has an ankle injury so he hasn't uh been able to build off that momentum luis matos i'm i he's his strikeout rates under five percent um I've I've kind of soured on him in the last few years, but uh, you know maybe uh, maybe I, I did that too prematurely. And I like the way uh, Andy Pajes uh, kind of yeah. remade his body. He's uh, you know he's he's kind of knocking on the door for the Dodgers too. He may make it up to the to the majors sure. this year too. So I like those guys. I mean, all the guys we've already talked about, Andrew Abbott, like there, he's obviously turning heads. But I think these are some you know good uh, like Brady House, another one. That yeah, we, uh, we didn't quit on, and uh, all my spring training guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I had an article like this. I love these guys. <laughs> Roman Anthony actually is one um, who's looked really good. The reports have been great. Josh Norris has been out there to see them quite a bit, and uh, the overall reports on Anthony are great. Um, the hit tool seems like it's taken a huge step forward, and he's get still getting to the power, which I think that combination is potentially deadly. He's a guy that could really really jump up list this year you want to be on somebody early jump on roman anthony i know there's been some folks in the industry that were all over him um like chris clegg i think was was pretty high in him pretty early uh and like cross so shouts out to those guys yeah um, rose rosenblum really likes him a lot too yeah rosenblum as well so there we go yeah um but uh in our, in our own draft team you know um he was definitely a guy that you know carlos was was talking about so I'm excited to see it, you know, uh, definitely sort of interesting. So I hope that answered the question. And then um, final couple of questions here. And these come from AJ, who was the guy that uh, sort of spurned this whole conversation. He's the one that asked about some mailbag questions. So shots to AJ. Thank you very much. Um, and he said sort of any thoughts on Justin Durden's early season struggles. Um, and then it sort of mentioned in addition to the above curious, uh, your thoughts on players, teams with slow starts. I think it's early, man, you know, um, especially when we're talking about teams like the Tin Caps, you know, some of those guys. Um, Midwest League, man, it's just a brutal, brutal place to play. And there's so many prospects, if you look back to last year, that struggled in the first month of the season, i.e. Tyler Soderstrom, that then sort of turn it on May 1st. I think we really get into the meat of the minor league season in that May-June period into early July leading up to the all-star break. And that starts to tell us a lot more than anything else. And then for Durden, Durden was hitting with the major league team all throughout spring training, looked really good. The reports were awesome. Um, and there's just a bump in the road. You know, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about any of these guys. Even Durden could, you know, if there's some injuries, could be a guy that ends up in the major league. So um, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. I think it's still very, very early. It's April 20th guys, you know, like, Give it a few more weeks, give it another month or so before you start to give up on players. Unless you see one of these guys we're talking about, Anthony, some of these guys that are popping, 
Yeah, I mean, feel free to drop some of these guys and add them. It all depends upon your team construct, your league construct. You know that better than we do. Um, we just try to give you the roadmap of potential changes and tweaks that you can make, but you don't you don't want to go too crazy. What are your thoughts on that, Dylan? I don't know if you have uh, any any more aggressive thoughts on maybe moving off of certain players or teams or whatever. No, it's it's it is too early. I don't want to add anything. Here's the Houston guy to Justin Durden, but uh, it's it's way too early to make any any you know rash decisions. But at the same time, you gotta you gotta move quickly in dynasty leagues. From my experience, you gotta take shots on guys who are popping before, like you quote unquote should, like before the sample size kind of stabilizes and all that, or else you'll miss out um, because your other league mates are, are taking the shots too. So it's a it's a tough balance to know when to when to hold and when to when to let go. So. That's yeah, I know when to hold them, when to fold them, you know, when <laughs> exactly. to walk away. Uh, but we're going to walk away now. That's the end of this week's Dynasty podcast. Dylan, thanks for joining me. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. As always, please like, subscribe, rate our podcast five stars. Talk about how great we are and how we help you win your leagues, hopefully, uh, in the future. So thanks again and uh, have a good one. Mm-hmm.